Welcome to the Ozark United Methodist Church podcast series for Thursday, February the 6th. My name is Joey Mills, and joining me today in the room I've got... This is Pastor Jacob Schneider. And this is Brad Tummins. And we are going to be talking this week about how God blesses the wrong people as we reflect on Pastor Jacob's sermon series for the month of February, the Upside Down Kingdom. Before we start, would anybody like to begin with a word of prayer for us? You have the obligatory... Hey! Hey! Hey, If we had to vote, it'll be a two-to-one vote, so you might as well volunteer. (laughs) Let's do this. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence, your provision. We thank you for the life that you give us and that you call us to. We pray, God, that uh, we would be able to honor you in, in this time and ask, God, that you would just show up, show yourself to us, that we might grow deeper in our knowledge and love of you. Uh, but we love you and praise you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is going to be kind of weird for at first, and it'll take us a little while to get in, used to this, but um, as if you were here last Sunday uh, during service, either service, first or second, you heard that what we're going to start doing is a companion to our normal sermon podcast that we've been posting every week, every Sunday afternoon. Um, we post up the announcements for the week, post up the sermon. Um, we decided we wanted to try to do this as a way to kind of check in in the middle of the week or towards the end of the week as we're thinking about and moving, you know, kind of around the corner and heading towards uh, the next Sunday. Um, But this is just going to be an opportunity for us to dig a little deeper into the sermon series. Um, If folks have questions, we'll give you information on how you can get those questions to us in addition to just asking them when you see us on Sunday, I guess. Uh, But there are other channels we've set up so that you can ask the questions that you have about what's going on. I didn't understand this. Can you explain that? Well, how does this fit into that? Um, And we'll do our best to answer those questions and talk a little bit application, devotion, just kind of, like I said, dive a little deeper into the Scripture. Because on Sundays, I know you do your best to get us out of here by noon, so so this is a chance to uh, go a little deeper and not have to worry so much about uh, making sure that... Everybody gets home in time to watch yeah. the game. Although nobody has to watch Chiefs game no more for a Chiefs while. Games for a while. But there will be there will be Cardinals games coming up in That's the afternoon. That's true. Soon, so spring spring training so close. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so close. Let's start off with a little bit of discussion on last week's sermon. Again, the sermon series for the month of February is the Upside Down Kingdom. Last week we talked about how God blesses the wrong people, or seems to bless the people that we wouldn't think of as being blessed. So, Brad, if you want to kind of take it away and talk a little bit about what you got out of it and what what struck a chord with you, maybe. So, first, I hope that I was not the only person who was reading the bulletin this week upside down, trying to make heads or tails of it (laughs) until I realized that the picture was actually supposed to be upside down. Well, okay, so the picture's upside down, but then the word kingdom was also upside down, and then the only thing that was right side up was the words, the upside down. Which I, I noticed as I was sitting there waiting for the service to start, a lot of people were kind of flipping Absol- it back and forth. Absolutely <laughs> threw me for a loop. I'm yeah. like, what is going on here? But yeah, so no, maybe that's a good place to start, you know, is it as I kind of looked at, I mean, took took a look at that or thought about that, you know, it kind of set the tone, well, obviously, and did what it was supposed to do, set the tone for 
tone for Jacob's sermon. So, I mean, really, from from my take uh, of this past week, I really kind of hit on, I know Jacob hit on a, a couple of big things that really just kind of stuck with me. Um, and and the, the first one, you know, obviously was transfer, I mean, the transformation topic. So, I really kind of gravitated towards the, it's not just a cosmic spiritual hug. I really, that kind of really resonated with me, because I, I feel like too often, you know, uh, we all come to church, or we uh, we you know we we come to church in order to feel good, and sometimes that feeling good is you know we have to be challenged a little bit with it, right? It's not just a oh hey I came in I did my thirty minutes at church and listened to my sermon, but sometimes it's uncomfortable and it kind of hits a little close to home, and you know it's not just a big spiritual hug. I don't, I don't know what, what what you guys thought about that. It was just. Um, yeah, I think sometimes we come for the spiritual hug. Sometimes we come because that's what we do on Sundays. Um, there are days I've been sitting in the pews or the chairs, <laughs> just kind of, yeah, I'm here physically, but something's going on, I'm not checked in or mm-hmm. I'm not all yeah. with it. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate and enjoy and like the sermons that are more, I won't say controversial because that's not the right word, but the ones that challenge you a little bit more to break out of that comfort zone because we do kind of slip into our spiritual comfort zone where I'm, Hey, I'm, I'm doing these things. I'm living a pretty good life. I'm, and and a lot of us settle for pretty good, I think. Mm -hmm. So the ones that challenge you out of pretty good and shake things up, Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I get more out of those. It seems like. Yeah. And I mean, diving into the Beatitudes, the Jesus Sermon on the Mount that (laughs) lends itself to being made uncomfortable. I mean, yeah. Jesus' words throughout that this, his sermon are just. I think the uh, notes I made challenge. were Jesus throwing down some truth bombs. Truth bombs. That's <laughs> I mean, he drops. Oh the yeah. Mic. yeah. Yep. He was he was throwing down some truth bombs, and and they they were uncomfortable. You know, especially uh, you know, especially when you step back and you think about it, and imagine to put yourself in kind of the. Uh, the, uh, the mindset of what the people who were there listening to them were they weren't what he w- they weren't what they were expecting right, right. they were expecting a, you know a war rally a or crying you know Messiah, conquer- yeah that that whole thing yeah. as opposed to what Jesus was really all about and what what the what he was laying down with it so that was that was one of the things that you know I just I kept thinking truth bombs. Hey, he's dropping truth bombs on everybody, and they are uncomfortable, you know. And I, you know, uh, I know Jacob, you had mentioned uh, in in the sermon that you kind of looked at the Sermon on the Mount as kind of his State of the Union. And you know, I think of the fact that we just had a State of the <laughs> Union, and it was uncomfortable, and there it was quasi even mm, acidic at certain points, depending upon. I mean, and that's kind of a reflection of where we're at this today in the country. I mean, and with our country, but I also step back and I'm thinking those other folks, there had to have been folks there that were uncomfortable with what he was saying too, yeah. because it was not what they were expecting. It was what, you know, if you were a, a Pharisee or somebody like that, who was there, it's completely blowing your mind, you know, really making folks uncomfortable. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, to your point, you know, it, it's uncomfortable, you know, it, for different reasons. When we think of the State of the Union that we've sat through this week, um, it was uncomfortable in some ways for some people because we kind of expect a certain amount of pomp and circumstance and, you know, exaggeration and what you will. Um, 
Whereas with the Sermon on the Mount, it was the exact opposite. There was no pomp and circumstance. There was no exaggeration. It was, let's get to the core of it. And I think most people, I know I, I mean, as much as we would appreciate that, it would be pretty uncomfortable to have somebody come in and just speak the truth. And we see that in our society. When people speak truth to power, it it can be uncomfortable for mm-hmm, yeah. everyone involved. Yeah. You know, when I was you know, reading up and uh, digging in uh, this past week for this sermon, um, you know, I, I really latched on the idea of, it, it's clear in, in Matthew's gospel that, they're drawing uh, a comparison between, uh, you know, Moses and Jesus. Jesus is setting himself up in that kind of position as a kind of the new Moses on the mount. And Moses, of course, bringing the law down from Mount Sinai uh, to the people. Um, and here we have the parallel with Jesus uh, offering up this, you know, new covenant. And and I, I was thinking about that just in... All of the, you know, culturally, when we think about the the Ten Commandments, we usually think about the the granite stone that mm-hmm. people are upset that, that's getting removed. Or that is exactly as you were <laughs> preaching. I was writing my notes, and I don't want to jump in there and cut you off. But yeah, yeah. my thought was when was we hear of fights all the mm-hmm. time of people trying to get the Ten Commandments up in a public, government funded space. Or people want fighting to take them down from a public government-funded space. But we don't have people fighting to have the Beatitudes exactly. put anywhere. Could exactly. you imagine putting, blessed oh, are the no. peacemakers exactly. in the Pentagon, or blessed are the merciful in a courthouse? Right. <laughs> you know, it's- exactly. And I, 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 I was thinking, I, I can't imagine anyone you know, getting up at arms, throwing a fit because they took the Beatitudes down. or um, you know, and, and maybe this is controversial, but... You know, we aren't people of the Ten Commandments, really. Um, we are mm. people of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' Jesus words. But the reality is, I mean, if we are living fully into the kingdom that Jesus describes in in his Sermon on the Mount, we will naturally be living into the Ten Commandments, but taking it in that next step, you know. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing. I mean, he's setting up, you know, this is a new covenant. Uh, it gets to the heart of what the law sought to create, but mm-hmm. ultimately couldn't. So, yep. so the other thing that just kind of one of the other big things that kind of stuck with me was that whole concept of the dichotomy between uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Luke and the Sermon on the Mount mm. uh, in Matthew, and kind of that whole concept of overly secular secularizing versus over spiritualizing. Um, both of those kind of you know. I, you know, when Jacob, when you were talking about how you feel like the church in the West today is tends to be overly spiritualized as opposed to really getting down into the into the what I what I wrote in my my notes is is, is almost down into the the gritty, the dirt, the real mm-hmm. aspect of what Jesus is calling us to do. You know, mm-hmm. I I kind of think of it as almost like we we treat it as a mental exercise mm-hmm. as opposed to living out what Jesus is calling you to do when he's turning, I mean, turning the kingdom upside down, right? Yeah. Turning, turning the way that we think about things on its head mm-hmm. and trying to make that transformation within today's society as well as to bring that the, the kingdom down, you know? And so... 
<laughs> this may sound a bit sacrilegious, but <laughs> one of my favorite movies is The Life of Brian. It's a Monty Python movie. Um, <laughs> and there's a scene in The Life of Brian where, you know, they're gathered around. It's supposedly Jesus, you know, speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. And there's this whole scene where they're trying to understand what he's trying to say. They're standing far back. And, you know, he says, you know, blessed are the meek. And, and they're trying to figure out what he was saying. It's like, and, and at one point, one of, the, one of the women there, she says, oh, the meek. He said, blessed are the meek. Oh, that's nice. They have a, they have a heck of a time. <laughs> and I think that's how we, we treat it. Um, you know, I, I think it's a brilliant commentary on how culturally we – understand or deal with the the sermon on the mount um yeah i mean we have to understand that our faith is not private Mm -hmm. i mean that's the reality it is a personal faith absolutely not solely personal it's it's not private in that sense so you know when jesus is saying blessed are the poor blessed are the poor in spirit i mean it's you know when he's talking about the poor in spirit specifically in matthew um, he is talking about the, the the poor, the abjectly poor, but the poor in spirit. It's it's the people who know they're poor, who feel the weight of their poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, he's talking about the abjectly poor, but also, you know, as I as I mentioned in the sermon, as we read on and understand really the nature of the kingdom, we understand that we are so far away from actually living into what Jesus is calling us to. And so we too feel the weight of that, that spiritual poverty, but to make it solely about, you know, personal privatized faith is just a completely wrong reading of Jesus words. Well, I, and I kind of think that it makes us, it, it makes me think that we're, I mean, we become blind to it or even worse yet, we can't become ambivalent to it mm-hmm. in today's society. You know, it's really something, you know, it, it's a lot, easier to turn the turn I mean turn your head and to oh well I'll pray about that later type of thing as opposed to actually getting in and 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 embracing what Jesus is saying there and that that's the thing that always worries me right is have I become ambivalent to the things that Jesus is teaching us to to be up in arms about to be to be out there and and, and be helping the poor, me serving people, you know. And that's always a challenge. I run into that challenge all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, when we, you know, when we pray those, you know, let me see what you see. Let me have a heart for what you have a heart for. It's not enough to see those things, but to see them and then to be moved to action, I think, mm-hmm. is, is the important part. We, you know, we, are, yeah. we are called to enter into and share each other's suffering. You know, it's, yeah. it's just like a table with one leg. If it, the leg's busted, you don't have much of a table. But if you mm-hmm. have more people helping to support and bear that weight, it makes it easier to, for everyone to bear that weight. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's... And that's something that's interesting, unique, I guess, about Matthew's gospel. It's it, you know all the gospel writers they have kind of their own voice, and Matthew, you know, it's in the Sermon on the Mount he's talking about righteousness. You know, Christ is calling us to this life of righteousness. But for Matthew, and you know, giving voice to uh, you know Jesus' understanding of righteousness, righteousness, it's 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 more about action. It's more about doing. It's more about living out this life that Christ calls us to. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's why it's so powerful. And, yeah. um, yeah. 
And difficult to live in. And difficult. That's yep. the has the other side of it too. It's very difficult. Very simple to stand on a mountaintop and say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very hard to hear the message and actually yeah. live into it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Was there anything else that jumped out at you from this week's sermon that I think the the the, the one other thing uh, as we kind of talk about it is you know we've got to hit on it is that call to action right mm-hmm. I think I forget exactly how you worded it Jacob that kind of resonated with me you're saved by grace through faith and judged by your works mm-hmm. you know that's always it plays to that dichotomy of you know is it just uh, saved by grace and you don't care about works versus, hey, I can go out and do all this stuff, but if I don't have the faith that's driving it, you know, the, that to me is where I, I always experience the hardest part, or yeah. the, mo- the biggest challenge is it, living it out, it, living out your faith, it, you It know? can feel muddied at times if you aren't feeling, if you're not embracing both sides of it, because yes, you are saved by grace through faith, and not through your works, and yet... To show that you, you know, that you have been transformed, you are changing your works. You're changing how you are living into your faith. So yep. it's yep. it's an odd thing, and it's hard, and it's it's hard for me as a Christian to explain that to someone who's not. Yep. You know, well, it, which is it? Is what is what you get a lot of times? Is what I get the question? I get well, which is it? Are you saved by grace and faith? Or are you saved by what you're doing? And it's and it's hard to it's hard to, if it's hard for us sitting here to say it's hard to grasp sometimes that it's both and it has to be both. It can be really hard to verbalize that and tell you know give voice yeah. to that to someone who doesn't have the understanding that we have. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, of course, this has like it, it, you know it has a history and it, you know how we understand faith is rooted in you know the history that we've received. Um, it, it's interesting though, when you, you look back at, you know, some of the earliest Christians, the first probably five centuries of, of the church, there wasn't, they didn't have this problem mm-hmm. at, at all. I mean, um, we've created kind of this dualism, uh, between faith and works that just did not exist. Uh, it's the same dualism we see between grace and nature that, uh, you know, uh, is it because spiritual we're just, material? You, know. you feel like it's because we're just so quick to codify things, and we want to have something in black and white that we can all hold ourselves to, or that we can all we can all agree on this. So let's write that out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think partially, but I think more than anything, it's our history, especially in the West. We, you know, we you think about modernity, the rise of modernity, the rise of enlighten the Enlightenment, and um. <clears throat> just creating, you know, everything becomes material. That's kind of how a lot of people think these days. Um, and so, you know, in that context, Christians were saying, well, well, no, no, we're, we're spiritual. Uh, fine. Okay. We might be made up of matter and we're, you know, bits and bobs and um, cells and all this, but uh, no, we're really angels. We're really spirits. And, um, we're something extra, you know, where the spiritual becomes something extra added on to our materiality. And then, you know, everybody else is like, okay, fine. It's extra. So extra that, you know, I don't, I don't need it. So, um, is that kind of split that we're reeling from, um, that dualism that, um, that we're experiencing the, the fallout from. So, you know, we can, so, you know, practically we create 
a spiritual life, and then we have the rest of our life. Um, the early church did not have that problem. There was no split between mm-hmm. faith and works, between grace and age. There, you know, there was no dualism that exists. So, you know, faith and works are the same. Well, you know, what is faith? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's trust that's lived out, shown through how we live, how we, yep. how we love, really. That got a little convoluted, but no, that's it, okay. It, but it's it's hard. It's it, and to your point, I think we're all saying the same thing. It's hard to sit down and say yes, this, 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 and this because it's it is that, but it's more than that. But it's also not that. Yeah, and yeah, because we have a tendency to want to spell it out. We want to see it in black and white. We want to say this is right, this is wrong. It's hard to think. In terms of you know, it, it goes back to the sermon series, and you'll you'll probably remember when you did this. I think it was prior to Advent um, when we talked about your soul is not your spiritual thing yeah. that we can't really mm-hmm. define, but we all believe exists. And mm-hmm. your soul is also it's your entire being. It's yeah. it's right. your mental. It's your physical. It's your spiritual. Yeah. It's all of those things. It's your emotional. It's um, it, and it's hard because we don't think in those terms. We want right. it to be right. this or the other. Yeah, yeah. You're really. I mean, you're talking about kind of pre-modern. By pre-modern, I mean like pre 16th century, 15th, 17th century understandings of humanity of what it means to be a, a human being. And so, yeah, it, a lot of that's just lost on us. But. Well, let us know your thoughts, what questions you have. Let us know the ways that God is moving you as it relates to how God blesses the wrong people. How does that? How is that sitting with you this week? Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. If you're doing the social media thing, it's at UMC on both Facebook and Twitter. You can send a message privately. You can post something publicly on uh, the social media. Let us know what you're thinking. If that's not your thing, you don't do the social media, you don't trust it, you, that it's going to stay private, you don't know how to make it private, whatever the case is, uh, you can also email us, email us as well. We've set up a separate email account. It's podcast at ozarkumc.org. Anything you send email to us uh, that is private, unless you tell us in the email, hey, feel free to read this question or whatever. Um, if you have a question and you're comfortable sharing it, by all means, send it to us. And again, we won't use your name. We won't say, well... This person in the back row, they always, you remember, hey, you yeah. know this guy, this guy's asking this question. No, it's, hey, this is a question that was asked, and we'll do our best to, uh, to get you the answers as we understand them, because yep. we're all working through this together. We're going to come back uh, with some application. How do you live into the Beatitudes? How do you live into this life uh, and the way that God blesses the wrong people right after this quick break? All right, so let's take this discussion into the practical. How do we live into this? Because it's one thing to say, blessed are the meek. But does that mean I need to be meek? <laughs> you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Well, what's a peacemaker? Blessed are the merciful. Well, what does that mean? How many times must I forgive my brother? You know, seven times 77 or. Is it seven times seven or is it yeah. seven tens of seven, seven or seven? Is it seven? <laughs> seven, yeah. It's a bunch. Uh, enough, a time or two. A, a lot more. Number. Yeah. So let's talk about it a little bit. So working through this, it's, you know, I, I have thoughts and questions, and I've kind of been looking at what others 
in mm-hmm. Christendom? What's kind of maybe the consensus isn't the right word, but what are some other thoughts on how we live into this? Um, and those and and you get a lot of high level stuff like oh well obviously you must do this but but Joey I'm looking for a checklist yeah but we don't do live today. yeah exactly and we yeah. don't live in you know you know again referencing other sermon series we don't live in neighborhoods anymore we live in subdivisions we don't most of us mm. don't know a walking be able to walk downtown because we don't have walking <laughs> trails available here to get to places in Ozark so when we talk about how we live into this knowing that most of us spend our time in a vehicle or in our home or in a cubicle and try to interact with other people as little as possible. How can we live into these types of things? What are some thoughts um, specific to our community and our Mm -hmm. missions area and how we have decided that this is where we need to focus our efforts? Well, Joey, this is a hard one, right? I mean, it, it it really is. And I gave a lot of thought to it this week. How do you live into it? And, you know, I think about it just from doing things one step at a time, right? Mm. You can't transform yourself overnight into the embodiment <laughs> of I am the Beatitude. The, I, I am right? the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Flesh. Yeah. You can't. You have to do it one step at a time. Um, and, you know, what this is... I hope Amanda doesn't get mad, but I'm going to share a story, <laughs> um, you know, because I think it's a really good way to take, I mean, to be able to show that one step. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we take our boys to skating lessons on s- Saturday mornings. They have this obsession with hockey. They want to learn how to play say hockey. say roller or ice? Ice hockey. So okay. we go up to Jordan Valley Ice Park, and, and we, we go play hockey. Or we go skate so that they can learn how to play hockey is probably a better way to put it. And it was, I think it was two or three weeks ago, we stopped by Panera downtown. Uh, They're off of National uh, in order to eat lunch. I think we had some gift cards or something that were going to expire. And uh, when we were in there, it was a very cold day. And there were actually a few people that were in there that were warming themselves up that were homeless. Mm -hmm. They were actually asleep in one of the booths. And, you know, it was one of those things that, to me, I was like, it didn't even occur to me that, that people would be in Panera trying to stay warm, right? And so, as we ate our lunch, you know, we, we did all that. And then at the end, Amanda kind of went up and she got some gift cards for them. You know, she got gift cards and gave them That's to awesome. them. They were asleep. They didn't know that she gave them to them. They were just kind of there. And, uh, you know, for me, it, it really hit home because I was like, man... Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I think about doing that? You know, you know, she's a was did a great example of, you know, helping helping people who she never met before. You know, really, it, it wasn't a lot. It was just enough. You know, here's a gift card, so maybe you can get some coffee or a soda or something until you can find some place to go, some other some something else to get out of the cold, right? And what really struck me more about it, besides just what she did and the self selflessness of it, was the fact that we talked about it with the boys afterwards mm-hmm. so that we could explain to them mm-hmm. how big of a deal it is for people who are homeless on a cold day who don't have anything to do, any place to go, anything else, or place to get help like that. And what a big deal it was just to be able to give them something to help them out in order to make things a little bit easier on them because I know that they are having a lot harder, a lot harder situation than, 
you know, us going to eat Panera for lunch after going to skating lessons. You right? went there, yeah, to so. refresh yourselves after going to skating lessons. They went there to survive, to right. get out of the cold. So, yeah. And so that's kind of where, for me, it just kind of comes back to what are the little things that you can do? It doesn't have to be big. You know, everybody's looking for the big grandiose right. display of, right. you know, display of, you know, the the Beatitudes and what you can do for them. But I think it just starts small. Yep. And it builds on that until, mm. you know, you can't, you know, this whole thing is a journey, right? In order to be able to, you know, live into what Christ calls us to be. We can't start at the end the first day, right? It all builds on itself. And it change, and you change through that. That's the whole, yep. back to that whole transformation yep. thing. Right. Yep. And then you don't even think about it. You just do it because mm-hmm. that's... What you what Jesus calls us to do? Yeah, that's great. And to your point, I mean, and some of us may be in a place where we hear these words of Jesus in Matthew or Luke or you know wherever, and we just can't come to terms. We we're wrestling with it in our minds, and maybe mm-hmm. that's just where you need to dwell for a bit. You need to wrestle through this, um, and then trust that the Holy Spirit is going to change you. It's going to transform you. Um, because once you start processing these things, you you will inevitably inevitably start seeing glimpses mm-hmm. around you in your day to day life, and then eventually you'll get to the place where you start responding. And um, yeah, it, this this is a lifelong process. This transformation is a lifelong process. So yeah, that's a good word. I think the one I mean, you reading through the Beatitudes, so many of them are kind of. I don't know. I don't want to call them no-brainers because they're not. But it's like, okay, there, there's the low-hanging fruit. Blessed are the meek. Well, okay, so I can kind of be meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, I'm not starting a war today, or I'm not provoking a, a reaction. The one that I struggle with the most is blessed are they who mourn. Because who wants to mourn? Who wants mm-hmm. to put them? Who wants to receive the blessings that are bestowed upon those who mourn? And that's one that I think I struggled with the most but to me, I think in thinking through it, to be mourning the loss of something, to be grieving the loss of something to the point where you need that to feel that comfort, to me that speaks to not so much the mourning itself, but what got you to that point. The sure. only way, the only people, I mean, I've we've all lost. I'm guessing if you're of a certain age, you've lost someone in your life. Yep. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you, well, that's a shame. And you feel sad, and you move on. And that's to me. That's not mourning. Mourning is that soul crushing. I something has been mm-hmm. ripped out of my life, and my life is never going to be the same. It, to me, mourning is akin to depression. It's that sense of being lost and adrift. And the only way I think that you can get to a point where you are truly mourning is if you're building relationships. Mm-hmm. You can't mourn for somebody you don't really know or who has, hasn't impacted your life or whose life you haven't impacted. To be blessed in your mourning means that you can, yes, you're going to mourn, and it's gonna, sometimes it's going to be a long time, and you may yep. never feel complete again, but you are mourning because you made a relationship with someone and I, th- and that's where I, that's where I feel that comforting peace comes from. Is that, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, I'm mourning a loss, 
but it's only because I knew someone at that personal level, whether it's a relative or a close friend or whatever the case might be, a mentor or someone that you're mentoring passes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the only way you can truly, I think, feel that mourning is if is if it's because you've established a relationship with that person and that relationship that can to feel that kind of loss yeah. can only come from a place of love. Yep. And you I hit think, it on it right there at the end. And I it's, think that's where we're called into is to to deepen our relationships. You know, it's, it's a lot of times when we think of relationships, we think of broadening our relationships. I'll just get to know more people superficially. Mm-hmm. But that depth of relationship that we create with other people, I think, is what we're called into. That's the only way, place you can share in somebody's suffering. Yep. Because just because I know somebody and I might know they're suffering, and I might be willing to do a little bit to help them out. But the only way I'm going to mourn that person is if I am in, you know, if I am in the suffering with that person, and that's the one to me that's the hardest, that speaks, yeah. yeah, that speaks yeah. the loudest. And it's like, how, why would you want to mourn? But you know, hopefully, we'll all be lucky enough to mourn, you know, because we'll have had those relationships. Yep. Yeah, I, I think you know, you can break up the Beatitudes and Matthew's gospel, at least, you know, the first three, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. These are very kind of passive situations. I mean, these are things that happen to you. To you, right. Yep. Um, while, you know, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, um, those are actions. Um, and, you know, even when we're talking about the more passive ones, you know, we, we, we I, I think we don't need to be thinking in terms of, okay, so if it's the people who are, who are mourning, who are blessed, then I need to be more, you know. Right, right. Like, as mm-hmm. we talking about. Yeah. Um, but, as you say, to be that comfort, to be, um, you know, a, a witness to the kingdom, to... Um, you know, when we talk about meek, the word meek there is really referring to those who are oppressed. Right. Um, uh, to draw near to those who are oppressed. Um, really, I mean, for our 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 purposes, this is pointing us just to the the, the lowest in you know in our in our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, who our our culture considers the lowest of the low. Um, that's why you know. Jesus blesses the wrong people, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I also think, you know, this is very exclusionary language. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven. Um, that's essentially saying those who are not poor in spirit do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. A tough guy, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's you're you're out, you know. And Luke is much more black and white about it, uh, with the woes that follow the blessings. But I think in in living that out, I think it's first having the eyes to see it, having mm-hmm. the eyes to see this reality. Jesus is pointing to a completely different reality, um, and it's not just this is something we didn't really touch on. It's not just a future reality; it is also a present reality. Uh, so this is the reality of the kingdom that Jesus has inaugurated. Um, so, I mean, we all know people who mourn. We all know people who are oppressed. We all know people um, who are poor, uh, or we encounter people who are poor. Uh, 
they're the ones who are blessed in Jesus' kingdom. What, how do we respond? Um, how do we live into that? How do we uh, have the eyes to see them? Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, culturally it's too easy to just close ourselves off to anyone uh, in any of those situations. But Yeah. yeah. So how do we, the ones that are active, you know, like you said, the first three are people in situations, the next five, the final five are people moving towards something. How do we act in accordance? How do we become more like that? Because one thing in your sermon, and you're going to either going to stop using this turn of phrase, or you're going to sit here every week and answer for it, but you ask the rhetorical question, how do what would the kingdom look like if we all lived like this? What would it? How would things be? So, tell us, <laughs> answer that rhetorical question. How yep. how do we live into this? What not would it look like? Spot. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not to not to make answer a hard question mm-hmm. here uh, as we move towards wrapping well, things up. But well, I think one one example I think because and and that brings up a good point because you know Jesus isn't addressing individuals right necessarily. So I mean he's mm-hmm. addressing a people, addressing mm-hmm. a people. Uh, we think in terms of, you know, individual, you know... Our personal... Right. 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 Um, Jesus hearers even wouldn't have heard this as he's just speaking to me personally. They would have heard that he's speaking to us as a community. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is speaking to us as a community here at Ozark United Methodist Church. Um, but I think, you know, specifically, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. We, we We understand that he's talking about the abjectly poor. Jesus also says, you know... In other in other areas of scripture, that you know the poor will always be with you. Well, a lot of us we hear that and we say, "Oh, there will always be poor people, so there will always be you know this need," and so that it makes it easy for us to write them off. But what if Jesus means that no, the poor will should should always be with you? Yeah. Um, and so I think you know where are the poor with? amongst us you know are are the poor with us are we with the poor are we identifying with the poor um are we identifying with the oppressed are we identifying with uh those who mourn um that's our witness as a church that's mm-hmm. where the kingdom is made manifest when we are witnessing in that way when we are if if these are the people that jesus bless blesses then we better be about the work of identifying with these folks yeah mm-hmm. um that's how it, you know, so we think about our particular context, this particular area. Where are those people? They're here. Um, maybe not inside the walls of our church, but they're in our community. Um, and how, what are we doing to, we, as a community, what are we doing to reach out, to be the presence of Christ with them? All right. I don't have anything else beyond that. Do you have anything else, Brad? I'm good. I think we've hit a, hit a lot tonight. We have covered a lot, especially for our first go round with this. Um, you know, we will hopefully we'll polish things up as we go. It's always weird doing these types of things. And hopefully, those who are listening uh, enjoy. There can be some fun had in a little in banter, the a little yes. banter back and forth here <laughs> in the so weirdest. Heavy all the yeah, time. in our in our discomfort. Uh, yes, take take joy in that. <laughs> Be blessed in our poor and delivery. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
Well, join us this Sunday. Uh, Pastor Jacob is going to continue the Upside Down Kingdom Sermon Series at 8.30 and 11. If you're new, if you've just stumbled across this somehow, hi, welcome. Directions on how to find Ozark United Methodist Church can be found on our website at ozarkumc.org. Pick the service time that works best for you and join us this Sunday. We look forward to worshiping with you. You are moving through Matthew 5 this week, starting on yep. thir- verse 13. and It'll be 13 through 20. Salt and light. Uh, salt and light. What does that mean? And we'll be covering a lot, you know, we're digging deeper into some of what we touched on uh, in this podcast. So Absolutely. And, hey, if, you, if you're in a small group, if you're not in a small group, uh, we can help you find one. Brad, Absolutely. Brad knows all about the small I groups. I know all about small groups. Feel oh. free to reach out to me, and uh, I'd be glad to... Glad to chat with you about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Your small group, if you enjoy this as a group, you know, make it part of your curriculum. Make it something you guys talk about as you get started and kind of break the ice, whatever just, the case might be. This Just is a, a note for that Sunday night group. We'll talk about this at least a little. So. <laughs> just saying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is just another tool. We This is not, you know, required reading throughout the week. This is not homework. Uh, but hopefully you'll take something from it. Hopefully we have touched on something that has either spoken to you or has given rise to questions and is causing you to to look and dig a little deeper yourself as well. Um, but that's what we're here for, to help move those conversations along. And just remind you, you know, this is not a, we pop in for an hour on Sunday, pop out and get our, get our spiritual fill up at the, at the pump and then... Cosmic hugs. That's right. <laughs> we, are, we are doing more than just cosmically hugging. Hopefully this will, uh, the discussions that we have throughout the series will help lead you in that transformation. So that's what I, we've got here. So for Brad, for Pastor Jacob, I'm Joey Mills. May the peace of Christ be with you this week. Hopefully we'll see you on Sunday. Take care.